Hi, welcome to the Hogsley Vance podcast show. I am talking today, Scott, and this is part two because in part one I accidentally pressed the wrong button and we have to redo a restart. And Dave Scott has just sent me a, a, a lovely email saying, Get on with the show. Okay, Danny, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Dave Scott. I am the host of Spaced Out Radio, based out of British Columbia, Canada. We live in about the central part of the province, so I'm battling a lot of cold and a lot of snow at this point. But we run our show Monday through Friday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific for three hours a night. And we're a talk show about everything that's weird and strange in this world. Now, tell me about any of your paranormal experiences that you've had in the past. Oh, goodness. Where Where do you want to go? There's been UFOs. There's been ghosts there's been hauntings intuition sasquatch aliens we got it all man we absolutely got it all i don't know why me but i can say this my first experience into the realm of the unknown happened on december 13th 2011 when i saw the angel of death in my mother's eyes and that happened we had a bunch of family over that night because we were celebrating christmas early for my daughter who was going to be away for the holidays and we wanted to do something special for her. So we had the entire family on my side over for Christmas. And as my parents were getting ready to leave, I went up to give my mother a hug, and that's when I noticed that her beautiful blue eyes were now jet black and her pupils were white. And I realized at that moment that I was looking into the eyes of the angel of death. My mother then had this weird look on her face like, oh, you see me? Then she shook her head. And her eyes went back to blue. In the meantime, I'm feeling very sick to my stomach, and I'm just wanting to cry. Now, my mother is a two-time cancer survivor, and I didn't know what was going on. Later that night, by a couple of hours, I ended up uh, having a channeling session. I've never channeled before previous to that point. I didn't even know what it was. To me, the definition previous to that of that of channeling was taking the remote control to your television and flipping through the channels as quickly as you could to find what you wanted to actually see on television. But I ended up sitting on the couch. My wife was like, why don't you just relax and maybe figure it out. Maybe it's internalized in you. So I did that. (coughs) Excuse me. Getting over a little bit of a cold. And anyhow, the next thing I know, I have this male voice coming through me saying, I was not supposed to see him, but because I did, he felt he owed me an explanation. He explained that because of the chemotherapy and the radiation my mother went through uh, to get her uh, get rid of her cancer, it took a toll on its body, on her body, and she was definitely sick. And if we, as a family, did not start showing my mother more love, caring, and respect, that he was going to take her home. He didn't say heaven. He didn't say hell. He just said, take her home. And so I listened to that. And that was a real catalyst for everything that went on. Because shortly after that, I started making some pretty bold predictions to my friends that were coming true. My house, which never had any paranormal activity, all of a sudden became haunted. And over the years, as time started going on, all of a sudden there was UFOs. Anytime we wanted to see them, we went out in the forest behind my friend's property we saw a sasquatch i've seen a ufo landing and i've been face to face with extraterrestrials you tell me a little bit about that that sounds very interesting 
Well, the big story is this, and I, I have to tell the long version, otherwise it won't make sense. In March of 2014, as I've been working on my spirituality and trying to figure out why all this stuff was happening to me, I still to this day do not know if I was taken or if I was in a dream, a very lucid type dream. And I was in this bright white room. I knew there was walls. I knew there was a floor. I knew there was a ceiling. And it was just me in this room. And I heard this male voice come across because now I had spent pretty much three years not sleeping because every night I'd go to bed, I'd have my laptop on my on my legs and I'd be looking up UFO videos and ghost videos and anything I could get a handle on to try and figure out if anybody else was having the same experience as I was. And in this white room, this male voice said to me, Dave, we no longer want you researching any of these topics. We don't want you reading any books on them. We don't want you watching any television shows. Stay away from online forums. Don't join any paranormal groups. However, we give you permission to watch YouTube videos. And I kind of snickered at that because it didn't make sense to me because it sounds pretty unbelievable. And I said to this voice, I said, you're taking everything away from me when I'm just trying to figure out what is going on. I don't understand. This voice then said, the answer is simple. You will be able to tell what is real and what is fake. Now, I thought nothing of that. And a few weeks later, on April 10th of 2014, we were over at a friend's house, and they had a 10-acre hobby farm. Their neighbors right beside them had six and a half acres. It was the only two houses on their street on top of a mountain, and the, the properties were horseshoed by a forest. And I got there about nine o'clock that night. My wife was already there with our little guy, and we were they were having tea, and I felt a migraine coming on. So I sat down on the couch. I told my wife, I don't know how long we're going to be able to stay. I feel a migraine coming on. And she's like, no problem. Do you want to go home now? I said, no, no. I just got here, you, and you just are on your first cup of tea. <coughs> Let's just hang out and see where it goes. So I realized at about 10 o'clock, after the pain started to subside from my head, that it wasn't actually a migraine that I was having that it was actually shapes pulsating on my head. It started off at the front of my head as a square. It moved to the right side of my head as a triangle. It moved to the left side of my head as a circle. And as the pain subsided, I had this anxiety attack that I needed to go into the back field of this farm. So I said to my wife, I gotta go outside. I gotta go outside right now. And she's like, are you picking up something? I said, yes, I don't know what it is, but I gotta go outside, something is out there. She goes, okay, let me get my shoes on. I said, you can't. She goes, why not? I said, because you have our boy. You gotta be in here with our boy, who was only about eight months old at the time, 10 months old. And so she goes, okay. So the people who own the property, the wife was very psychic. I looked at her and I said, come on, we gotta go outside. She says to her husband, Dave is picking something out. We need to go outside right now. Get your shoes on. And I looked at her and I said, he can't come. He's not invited. 
why would I tell someone that they're not invited onto their own property? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was it was weird. So her and I go outside. We walk to the back of the house, and it's an old cabin style one floor house. And we walk behind the house to about 50 feet, where there's an old wooden two by ten horse fence. And I said, out of God's peace, love, and light, you called me outside. Can you please show us where you are? And as soon as I said where you are, from the neighbor's back field, the entire tree line in between the two properties lit up like a Christmas tree in the brightest white light I've ever seen. So in my skeptical mind, I'm sitting here saying, okay, could somebody over there have heard me? No, I'm talking in the same volume as I am to you right now. There's no way they could have heard me. Okay, is it? Now listen, do we hear any noise, any laughter, any bottles clanging? Nothing. Okay, this is strange. All right, is somebody out there with one of those 100,000 candle watt flashlights that are out there? No, there's no shaking, there's no shadows, there's nothing. And after about 30 seconds, the lights went off. I then said, if you were of alien descent out of God's peace, love, and light, can you please turn your lights back on? Boom, on my command, the lights come back on. This time they are wider through the trees. It's brighter. It's glowing. And I saw something in the middle of it. And I moved over to my right about 10, 15 feet so I could look through the tree line. And that's where I saw this blue cylinder standing vertically about 20 feet high uh, from the ground about 20, 20, 30 feet up. And there was this black cloud rotating counterclockwise near the bottom of it. And it was going on around and around. And then after about 30 seconds, the lights went off. So then I said, or my friend said to me, let's go over there. I want to check this out. And I said, no bloody way. I'm not going over there. I'm not going back into the house with you being taken by something. I'm just not doing that. That's not the way this is going to work. And she goes, okay, well, why don't you try and see if they'll turn them on one more time? So I said, good idea. And I said, okay, out of God's peace, love, and light, just so that I am not crazy, can you please turn your lights on one final time? Boom, the lights come back on. They're wider, they're brighter. And everything that I had seen up until that point, it was pretty amazing. And then they went off, and then they went back on. Went off, then on, about nine, ten times before they shut off for good. There was no sound, no nothing. And they just disappeared. Five days after this, I was back at the farm. Now I've got pretty much five sleepless nights in me where I'm trying to figure out what the hell this experience was about. And, and we went over there one afternoon for coffee. And uh, we're standing in the house, and, and the lady in the house says, look, I, I want you to meet this new friend of mine. Her name is Samantha Mullet, and she's a lifelong ET contactee. And, um, and she, uh, you know, I thought we, we could bring her into our group. I said, okay. So about 25 minutes after meeting Samantha, I was pacing around the house. She goes, you really want to go outside? I said, yeah, because I told her what had happened. And she goes, do you want me to come with you? I said, sure. So she walks into the back field. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, not a cloud in the sky, a beautiful spring day on April 15th, 2014. 
And we walk back, and I'm showing her where the craft was sitting, or approximately where I felt it was. And she was very in tune, and she started picking up on the craft, and 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 she's like, okay. And and all of a sudden, she says to me, she goes, do you want to walk in the back forest with me? And I said, sure. She goes, okay. You know we're probably going to see something. I said, yep, I know. Everything in my body told me that we were going to see something that was absolutely unreal. And so we walk back into the forest, and we get about 100 yards in, and Samantha stops me. And she goes, Dave, I don't want you to be afraid, but I want you to look that way. And she points north, and she goes, I want you to tell me what you see. So I said, okay. And I ended up looking, and I said, Samantha, what is that? Samantha, what the hell is that? Samantha, what the hell is that? Because 200 feet in front of me was a 10 to 12-foot extraterrestrial standing there staring back at me. And it's a little... It's a little hard to fully comprehend what you're going through when you see something like that happen. Everything in your body changes. Everything in your mind changes. Now, I wasn't scared of these creatures or this creature, whatever it was, but my mind could not comprehend what my eyes were seeing. And this is what was tripping me out. I was frozen. I didn't see the second extraterrestrial that was there, all right? What I did see was this tall guy. And Samantha then starts communicating with the, the second guy telepathically, who said, you are more than welcome to come over and say hello. We're not here to hurt you. We're not here to, to take you. However, we are very concerned about the man's health, the man being me. Because like I said, I was kind of freaking out at that point. And anyways, long story short, we didn't go see them. We, we stood there watching them for about 10, 15 minutes. And then we got called to a different part of the forest because the, Samantha felt there was extra ET presence over uh, to the right of us. And we walked over there. There was nothing there. We walked back to the original place where we were, and everything was gone, like it never happened. So that was a, a very, very profound experience that changed my entire life and my entire perspective of what we're here for. And I still haven't figured that out. Hello. Hi. Oh, I've already gone then. <laughs> um, I thought, oh no, my friend's appeared. I sometimes have a friend who likes to play japes with me. I thought he, he, oh, yeah. he was uh, helping, uh, interfering. Uh, now, you, I, ha, um, you, um, do you do research in, on any of the things that you see as well? That's why I started Spaced Out Radio was because I had all of these questions and I had a, 
you know, I went to college for, for broadcast journalism, and I had spent 10 years in radio, and I really, really wanted to figure out what it was that I was seeing. And I, I started researching, but I figured the best way for me to do that on the convincing of a good friend of mine named Johnny Enoch out of Vancouver was the fact that if I wanted to learn about this, I should probably look at getting into more of a, uh, of a journalism-type approach. And because I have the radio background, it would be easy for me so I could do my research right on the air. And at first, when I started Spaced Out Radio on, on November 30th, 2014, that was kind of what it was all about. And from there, you know, I had no intention of, you know, of trying to make Spaced Out Radio large or, or where we are today. But I just figured it was something that was going to going to happen. And, you know, that's kind of what, what took place. And so I was able to... I was able to, um, you know, take my own research and see what other people had to say because that was easier for me. So that's pretty much what I did. I've never really delved into, uh, you know, full-on investigative research, much like somebody like Richard Dolan or Grant Cameron would do on the UFO side or people like David Weatherly or, or John Tenney on the, on the paranormal supernatural side never really got into that so it was just kind of something that i figured you know what i found my little niche if i need questions let's build up the the repertoire with a lot of people that i could call at any time and and just go from there and, and so that's what we did well i'm going to ask you what who was the weirdest or strangest subject you've covered on your radio show oh goodness there's there's quite a few um I would say the, the best interviews that I have had, probably David Weatherly and John Tenney, along with a gentleman who we've nicknamed the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy, absolute great speakers on any topic um, that, that uh, you could absolutely imagine. But I also like the in-depth conspiratorial side of UFOs as well. Like, what is the government doing? What are they covering up? And that's why I also enjoy talking to people like Grant Cameron and Richard Dolan is because, you know, they're on, they've got sources. They've been doing this for 20, 30 years each. They've got some great sources that, that they have that they don't release who, who are really on tap with what is happening inside the, the disclosure side or the governmental side of UFOs. And, and that cloak and dagger stuff I really enjoy as well well I personally believe that aliens do exist I, I never disbelieved it because I can't believe we're the only lucky ones in the whole of the galaxy of all the billions and billions of planets that must be out there they say hey look we're smashing rock we're creating lovely atmosphere hey look there's some, there's some uh, DNA there we'll make that into it into an ape, oh, the ape would be a human. I agree. I totally agree with you. And, and you know, I, I think it's very, very naive of any of us to say that. I mean, whether you're, a, you're agnostic or you're atheist or you're a believer in God or whatever it could be, it does not matter. If you're, and I always talk to, I got a bunch of religious friends, and I'll talk to them about it, and I'll say, 
I'll say, we can both agree that God is the Alpha and the Omega. I said, but how can you sit here and tell me that if science has proven the, inf the universe is infinite, that we are the only life force that God has created, if God created everything? And it's amazing how that topic scares people at times. So, yeah, I do agree. There is life out there somewhere. We just, you know, I think it's been here as well. We just have a bunch of people who don't want to admit it. Well, I, I always, uh, well, I always get people when I um, talk to people who are a bit religious. I always, uh, if I if I know, I can ask it. I always ask, uh, like, um, it's a little, little bit controversial. I always have, give them this following statement: God is schizophrenic. <laughs> That's an interesting take on it. Because you think about it, when in the Bible, I think it's the Bible says we were made in God's image which we are both good and evil so I think God has this constant battle in his mind between being good or evil well it sure shows the difference in the first in the New Testament and the Old Testament that's for sure that's for sure because if you read it carefully I mean properly and not try to read it as a religious person you can see the lot of it is repeated a lot the story Indeed. That, uh, you know I, I've got no problem with that but it's like every story if I was to say I went down the river and caught a fish I'm not going to say it was only a tiddler I'm going to say oh it's at least 12 inches long I've told the story but I've changed it slightly to make it to my advantage you know what I mean I'm not saying the Bible yeah, completely absolutely. like that but I'm just saying every story we say we always exaggerate a little bit because we're human. Oh, for sure. For sure, I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. You know, and I think the problem is, you know, to, with today's day and age, with the amount of technology that we have and the amount of science that is out there on everything, I really think part of the issue that we have with a, <coughs> excuse me, with a lot of this is the fact that we have, um, we have a lot of people who are basing everything on scientific data. And I don't think for a second here that what we are dealing with is or can be comprehended through our, our current scientific realm. You know, never mind what the governments may know, the government scientists, whether they're working at places like Area 51 or Pine Gap or places like that. You, you have to look at it as... There seems to be something different happening. There seems to be something more happening in regards to everything. What is it? What is actually happening? And I think at times we look at things with a little bit too closed of a mind because we're not getting the answers that we that we really want. And that, to me, is dangerous. Do you find that some of the research um, stories you come across, the like paranormal, cryptid, and UFO? Are all linked like I find a lot of it on ley lines if I do find a story I find a lot of um, like a paranormal story or a cryptid story all in the same area you know what it's funny you mention that because the area where I live uh, I've never really bought into the entire ley line thing and the area where I live people talk about the ley lines here about how they are very very open in, the, in, in this area and the area where I live in British Columbia it has a lot of cryptid sightings like Sasquatch 
it has a lot of UFO sightings and people who claim that they have uh, alien abductions. It also has a, a lot of hauntings in the area because the Gold Rush Trail, going back to the 1800s, really, really um, ran through this area. And, you know, like I have a bunch of friends of mine, and I we do a, a ghost tour at the local museum to get everything, uh, you know, to help raise money for the museum. And that place is haunted as anything. It's unbelievable. Well, I talked to someone uh, about haunted objects the other day. Neil, I can't remember his last name. Anyway, it was haunted, and haunted antiques research centre. That is where he works, and he's telling me about all these objects he's been collecting over the years that are haunted. Do you believe in that? Uh, you know what? I I know enough people who are into it that they claim it is true. Like there is some sort of residual type energy that attaches itself to a chair or a doll or some sort of toy or whatever it may be. Maybe it's a guitar. And, you know, if you love something on this side and you cross over to the other side, why wouldn't you want to be with your favorite object? Like, to me, it makes sense. You know, is the object itself haunted? I don't think so. You know, but that's just my opinion. I do believe that there is something to it and that, if anything, what it is... Is it's is it something that is, you know, the love of that spirit, you know, it's not the object per se as much as it is the the love of that spirit and what it has for that particular object. So that's what I think it is. I mean, that's my opinion. Yeah, because there's lots of theories what ghosts are, electrical energy or other energy that we haven't discovered yet. And also, the um, people do get confused quite a lot between a naughty ghost and demons. Not obviously because of Hollywood and ghost shows. Because normally it's a it's a demon. But no. Yeah, and, and you know that's 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 a big thing there too. Is I think you know demon is a good is a good anecdote for people who have immediate fear without recognizing anything. I mean, I know people who've been investigating 40, 50 years and have only run across one or two demons. I mean, that's not saying that the demons don't exist because I do believe that they do, but I don't believe that they are there on a on a plentiful scale that many people who teach the fear of the unknown are trying to predict. And you know, that's part of the issue that we have with the paranormal phenomena is that we have all of these people who are out there trying to, you know, fearmonger, if we can use that term, fearmonger, answers into what is going on. And I think that's part of the issue that a lot of people have with with the paranormal is that there there are people out there who are pushing agendas that really is all based on opinion and because there's a lot of gullible people out there, it gets a little bit dangerous. And I got a real issue with that in the in the field of UFOs, and and it's uh, it's something that you know we want to further advance this field. We got to cut that crap out. We have to. There is no choice. Uh, well, I've I've got I think well I've told a lot of people this. I think in the future that cryptozoology will be recognised as a proper science. 
Continue to speak it's about the monsters. Obviously, that's the glory side. It's the nice side that people like to put in the papers. But it's not. It's usually it's properly about finding new species. Like recently, there was a thing about a bee that's been found that was a. Uh, supposed to be extinct 125 years ago a big bee I can't remember it's yeah name. and then the, the, the number one that I like it was a fossil of a t-rex that was only 4 foot 11 yeah I mean there there's a lot of that that's going on right now and you know and that's the beauty of where science really really comes into play and, and makes things really cool because we're able to see we're able to see what is actually out there a little bit more than what we than what we know, and I think part of the part of the big issue that we have with a lot of things is the fact that that when we are going through all of this and we are looking at these studies and finding things out there, I think you're absolutely correct that the next big wave of science is going to be something whether it's cryptid or or parapsychology or whatever it could be. There's so much advancement being made, but we have to get scientists to take this study a little bit more serious. And once they're able to do that, we're going to have a lot more fun doing what we are doing. That is for sure. You a, know, lot, but, a lot of what we do now, it, talking the subjects we talk about now, a lot of it years ago would have been underground. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the good part about it is we are actually starting to see people take this a little bit more serious, which is a good thing, okay? It's a very good thing. And, you know, as, as much as that is starting to grow and, and we're starting to see scientists take this, <coughs> excuse me, take this a little bit more seriously, I think, I think it's only for the benefit of, of what we are doing. It's completely to the benefit of what we are doing. And uh, but on the flip side, we still got a long ways to go because we still have to wait for a lot of these mainstream scientists to believe that the research that we are conducting is what it is. And this also lends a huge problem to current investigators that are out there. One of the things that I have been very, very specific on is the fact that we have we have a lot of people out there who are doing great work, but what they are doing is they are conducting opinion. They're not conducting science. And it's funny, like, I don't allow a lot of ghost teams and paranormal groups on my radio show because I get a real pet peeve when people mention that they are conducting scientific experimentation. Because the first question I ask is, "Oh, you're a scientist?" No, no, uh, we we're just a uh, we just do scientific experimentation. Okay, so you have a lab that you are testing this all in. No, no, we're just using the latest equipment. And okay, so you're not conducting anything scientific. What you're doing is you are researching results. There's a major, major difference. And because people in this field are so quick to self-title themselves and self-aggrandize themselves in hopes of getting that breakthrough or in hopes of getting that reality television show, it's a pain in the ass that absolutely hurts 
this entire field and this entire genre because all we are doing is hurting ourselves by trying to play the game of making ourselves sound more important. I'll give you another example of that. You know, there are people in the United States right now and Canada that have no journalism experience, but because they research UFOs or they research ghosts, in order to, to make themselves sound a lot bigger and popular than what they are, they've coined themselves this term that they are now investigative journalists. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay? You're, you're not an investigative journalist. You're somebody who literally maybe wrote a column that made it on a website that attracts maybe, you know, 500, 1,000, 10,000 readers a month. Okay? That doesn't make you a journalist. That makes you a blogger. Okay? You're a blogger. And to use the term investigative journalist, look, I spent 10 years as a journalist. I never made it as an investigative journalist, nor would I ever coin myself as an investigative journalist because I am not. And this is part of the issues that we have in this field is too many times people look for popularity by self-titling. It's the exact same thing as when I mentioned earlier about demonologists. I mean, a couple of years ago, being a demonologist was the popular thing. And, you know, I remember researching a paranormal group for this one show, and I, I didn't end up calling them or contacting them or bringing them on because when they showed me that they had a team demonologist, it was a 22-year-old kid who said or claimed that he had been a demonologist for five years. Come on. Come on. The only true demonologists out there are those of the Catholic Church. Nobody else, just those of the Catholic Church. And that is part of the issue, is we want popularity and we want notoriety so bad in this field that we will go to any length at all to make sure that it happens. And the only people that we are hurting or kicking in the teeth is ourselves, because every time somebody in the mainstream, whether it's the public or whether it's the media, hears us do something stupid like this, it hurts the entire field. Hurts the entire field. So, for instance, one of the people I know, and I'll, I'll never mention this person by name because I don't want to give him credibility. I mean, this so-called investigative journalist, he's a barista. He's a barista by trade, making coffee. And he has an interest in UFOs. At what point have you been trained as a journalist? Do you know what an investigative journalist is? Do you know how to be one? Because... I'm a journalist. I know how to be an investigative journalist, but it's hard work, very hard work, and takes a lot of years to earn that title, a lot of years. And this is the problem, is all of these proclamations that we are making in the field of the paranormal are the biggest reasons why people to this day still laugh at us when we bring up UFO videos, still laugh at us at Sasquatch videos. You know, the other issue that we have in this field that I'm very sensitive to is the fact that we have a lot of people, getting back to the science part, who are conducting opinion as fact. So, for instance, here in North America, if you look at uh, the Sasquatch, OK, 
okay? There's a lot of people who refuse to absolutely listen to any stories that First Nations or American Indians claim that the creature could be some sort of supernatural entity that is interdimensional or a shapeshifter. But because the scientific side says that's impossible, you have all these people running around the forest who are claiming, yeah, we're doing scientific research on Bigfoot. Well, have you investigated the First Nations claims? No, I don't buy that BS. Okay, so you're not conducting anything scientific. Well, yeah, we are. I said, no, no, you're not. Because if you were conducting science in the field of Sasquatch, you would not be writing off the First Nations legends. Because if you define science to its most minuscule form, it is the proving or disproving of theory. Everything is theory. The clothes you wear were created by theory. The light bulbs in their sockets on your ceiling were created by theory. Everything is created by theory and science. Therefore, if you are disclaiming that you are not researching it because you don't believe that it is accurate, that it, the possibility that it could be a, a shapeshifter or something along those lines, something supernatural, then you're not conducting science. I agree, because I, I always say to people, I'm a student of cryptozoology, paranormal, UFO. I do blog. I'm not a researcher of any sort. I like to research, but I'm not a proper researcher. I'm not a trained researcher. But I like to do my blogging blogs, and like you say, I don't. I just say, oh, this is my opinion. I don't say it's, I'm a scientist because I'm not. And and that's and that's the point. That's the point of all this self-titling bullshit. Pardon my language. That is out there, and that's the danger of this field. So what happens is. Real scientists, real journalists, real engineers look at us and they laugh at us in this field because we've made a mockery of it by trying to self-design and self-profess what we think is scientific, what we think are those conclusions. You can't do that. It's impossible. And, you know, there are a lot of smart people in this field, man. In Sasquatch realm, you have Jeffrey Meldrum. In, in UFOs, you have Chris Cogswell. You have a lot of really, really intelligent people working this field, trying to prove or disprove what is going on. And when you have, and they are the people who are going to lead the way into the next phase of ufology or, or Sasquatch or whatever it is, but when you have these fly-by-nighters or weekend warrior investigators of no matter what it is claiming that they are the ones getting the scientific proof or they are the ones doing the investigative journalism on these pieces, it's laughable and it's unconscionable. I, my favorite pet subject is political correctness. Yes. I, think, I think the world has gone absolutely stupid. Because you cannot say certain words and without offending someone, and the biggest thing I really hate, and I'm, I'm going to go on a rant now. Sorry about that, but no problem. I, I don't mean this offensive either. When people go on about being slaves, I think well, every country 
had been enslaved at one point. We Brits were enslaved by the Romans and the Normans and the Vikings. You in America enslaved the Indians and various other people. So nobody's any innocent on that department. So I get a bit peeved when people say, oh, this is why we got, we can't say this word. But that's my rant. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's a weird world out there right now, and, and it's not very, not very cool. Not very cool at all. It, it, it's just getting so strange. I mean, all this about, um, all about this, um, uh, False information, or yeah, and you're thinking, well, anybody can say fake news, fake news, fake news, and you're thinking, well, now nobody, everyone's gonna think, oh, that can't be true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say with what is going on. I mean, how it affects the paranormal or anything like that, I'm not too sure what's what what's going to be happening here, but. The idea behind it all, you know, when it comes to the paranormal, we are the biggest, we are the biggest uh, people out there right now that are hurting our entire field because of self-proclamations, because of the way we conduct ourselves. And until that changes, nobody in the mainstream or very few are going to take us seriously. Well, I quite agree. I think we should start a campaign, Dave. Let's start it now. Stamp it out. Just well, and there, there has to be times, too, where people have to think for the betterment of the community, right? And that's what it comes down to, is thinking for the betterment of the community. Are you hurting the community by making these claims? Are you hurting the community by, by making false statements? Are you hurting the community by, by making sure that there is... Uh, you know, improper information out there because in the end, it doesn't matter what your opinion, my opinion, or the audience's opinion. Opinion is not science. Opinion is not fact. Opinion is not going to prove anything. That's where we're at in this field. Because we have become so technologically advanced, because people rely on their computer cell phone and 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 everything today, we all have it at the at the tap of our fingers. And until we're able to figure that out, until we're able to go back and realize and understand what some of these terms mean, this field of study is always going to be in trouble. The reason why, another big reason why, is because there is no education into it. You can't go to a university to take up a course on ufology and get a degree in ufology or cryptozoology or parapsychology. Now, some schools will be teaching classes on that, but nonetheless, there's no degrees in it. There's no education in it because there's no rules. There's no guidelines. There's no nothing to it. Everything is hypothetical, and that is something that people take advantage of. They see all of these people on TV say, hey, I can go – point a laser up in the sky and go look for UFOs. I can go into a haunted building and, and with a camera and, 
and a microphone and, and pick up knocks on the walls and doors closing and windows shuttering. I can do that. If this person can do it, I can do it. And that's where we get all of these these people in there because they're not thinking of actually trying to, to find anything or to solve any of these mysteries of life after death or solve any of these mysteries about weird lights in Rendlesham and aliens and ET contact or Bigfoot running around the forest. No, they're there for themselves. They're there to try and make themselves feel better and do better in regards to this entire situation, this entire field of research. It is not anything scientific, and it hurts the community. Now, when, where can people listen to your show, Mr. David? I appreciate that. The easiest way to do this is we're all over social media. We're on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. On Facebook, you can give our page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. On Instagram, Dave Scott SOR. But find out any show information, best place to go is our website, spacedoutradio.com. Now, who's going to be on your show soon? So we can have a little flavor. Oh, let me look. We have a, a multitude of guests coming on in the next little bit. Uh, we try and mix it up a little bit. We have... Butch Witkowski, who talks cryptids, David Weatherly, who talks everything from black-eyed kids to men in black to UFOs and every haunting in between. We're going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch with Ryan Burns coming up in March, along with a lot of the Bigfoot sightings that are happening up in the state of Alaska. The Dybuk Box, which apparently you're not supposed to open. Mm, We've got a good. lot of good things <laughs> coming up. We're even going to get into some time travel, some some Dietlov past, reptilian agendas, Hollywood UFOs. We're going to get into it all here soon. But we're time traveling now, David. That's what people. I, 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 my concept of time travel is I'm time traveling now because you are in the past and I am in the future. Well, or you're in the future. Yeah, you're in the future and I'm in the past. That's, that's definitely for sure because I think what there's what, eight, nine hours between you and I right now? Yeah, I'm coming up to one o'clock in the morning where I am. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this then: How's tomorrow looking? Am I safe? Yeah, you're okay. You don't. But okay, perfect. My, my neck curve on the left. All right. Well, I I will have to. <laughs> I will definitely have to. Now, David. Um, we've t I think we've covered quite a lot of subjects. And if you ever look in looking for a British person to be on your show, hint, 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 I'll be on your show. <laughs> Perfect. I appreciate that. And I like to thank you for you giving your time a day. I do really appreciate that. I respect no that worries. people have got a busy life, like kids and wives and things like that. Now, before we go, I always ask my guests to do a unique sign-off. It could be anything you like. You can sing, dance, tell a joke, <laughs> whatever you want. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. I don't even know. You're putting me on the spot here. That's why I like doing this bit. It, it's a good bit. Uh, it, it's funny. Well, if I did it live, it'd be more, well, more embarrassing. Well, you know what? I, I don't have anything planned or coming in off the top of my head right now, but... Uh, 
if you wanna if you wanna hear a great Canadian accent where we're hooting the boots in the in the entire field of UFOs, eh? Why don't you come join us? I like that. Well, Dave, this is my interview. <clears throat> Thank you, David, for being on my show. I listen out for spaced out radio. It was it's normally quite good to listen to, and you covered quite a lot of subjects in your life. Thank you for being on my show. Good night, goodbye, and thank you. What do you think? How do you think that went, David? 